Welcome to another edition of GNWP Talks 1325. My name is Matima Ravanika, and I'm a communications and advocacy intern here at GNWP. I'm joined here by our international coordinator, Mavic Cabrera Baeza, and my colleagues, Kelly Isik and Patience Ikpe. Uh, so let's get straight into it. 2016 has been a great year for GNWP, but quite frankly, it hasn't been a very good year for women all over the world, which is something we'll talk about later in the segment. I'd like to start with the Cora Weiss Fellowship. The Cora Weiss Peace Building Fellowship is an opportunity for young women peace activists from around the world to join the global network of women peace builders for a whole year in New York and learn about the work of GNWP in global advocacy, in regional, national, and local implementation. So the fellow is involved in the work in New York, in meeting with policymakers, in advocating for the implementation on the ground for support to civil society's work in peace building, and then the fellow also joins us in our regional, national, and local advocacy. So very recently, first fellow patient Sikpe joined us in the localization program on 1325 in Kenya. Uh, Patience, I actually wanted you to jump in here and tell me what your experience has been doing this fellowship and being a fellow. Uh, for me, it, the experience has been inspiring and also challenging, but in all I've learned quite a great deal, particularly with regards to the work done by GNWP, because this fellowship has provided me a platform to learn about the localization program implemented by the network. It has also been an opportunity to um, be able to understand the global ad uh, advocacy activities carried out in the UN with regards to making policies and international instruments that affects lives across the globe. So thank you, Patience. You mentioned a little bit about the localization program. I want to know for our listeners out there, what is the localization program exactly? Actually, this is a program implemented by the Global Network of Women Peace Builders, which is a bottom-up approach to ensure that uh, the principles of the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325 is integrated into local action plans of countries. It is a program in which local actors such as um, religious leaders, governors, mayors, councillors, women groups and youth leaders are conveyed and made to understand the need for women participation in issues of peace building and decision making. Yes, if I may add to Patience's uh, excellent explanation, essentially the localization of Resolution 1325 is taking this very important international law out of New York and bringing it to local communities directly affected by conflict. So at the end of the day, what does Resolution 1325 in a farming community in Eastern DRC? 
what does it mean to a woman in a fishing village in Sri Lanka? How can they make use of Resolution 1325 to promote their rights, to protect their rights, and so that they can also participate in decision-making in, the, in their own communities and their own societies? Also in Uganda, we made success because we have physical documentation of local action plans in two districts, Amaria and Kitu. And recently, we've been able to carry out an evaluation of the entire project in Uganda, bringing out the outcomes and the impact of the localization project. To add to patient's point, an indicator of success is that in Uganda, in local districts where the localization has been implemented, there is evidence that there is lower incidence of sexual and gender-based violence. I think that's a huge accomplishment. Uh, and also, just as a specific example, as a result of the localization, the local district officials have put out a directive for bars to close earlier, uh, to shorten their operations, which means they are limiting alcohol consumption, which a lot of women in the community are saying it aggravates or it contributes to uh, cases of violence against women. Great. Uh, let's switch gears a little to bring Kelly in. Uh, the 60th session of the Commission on the Status of Women, CSW, was held here um, in New York in March from the 14th to the 24th. Uh, Kelly, can you talk about what some of the outcomes of the CSW event were? Some achievements, some challenges? Yes, um, so we had a couple of events that we've hosted and co-hosted uh, during the CSW last year. Um, and one of the ones that I was particularly working on closely with was the role of the media. The attainment of the SDG 16 uh, on peaceful and inclusive societies. Um, and we co-hosted that partic particular event with uh, Pieces Loud, who is now a member. And also it was uh, hosted by the Permanent Mission of Austria. And so some of the outcomes of that were, were that we really need to, well, civil society in particular needs to start incorporating uh, media, be it social media, be it uh, communications, into their programming in order to really um, create awareness of such resolutions like 1325, 1820, uh, and other resolutions uh, on the WPS agenda. Uh, so some of the panelists during that uh, meeting were a, a communications expert from Kenya. Her name was Mildred Nagesa, um, and, and she spoke about really being able to hold media practitioners accountable and really making them understand what resol the resolutions on WPS were, uh, print media practitioner. Um, and so from there on, I think that has linked to a lot of the work that we're doing now uh, when it comes to media. Uh, GNWP has now kind of shifted its focus from not just only working on localizing uh, 1325 and 1820 with, uh, with just organizations on the ground, but now we are also taking into consideration what media practitioners know and how they inform people uh, of these resolutions because I think that they would be one of our best allies uh, when it comes to creating awareness uh, because if you think about it, people 
in these populations and these towns, they are more keen to watch TV or listen to the radio than to actually pick up a, a resolution from the, from the United Nations that they've never heard about. So I think now moving moving forward to the next year, I think that's something that has actually, you can see the evolution from the CSW to now what's going to happen in 2017 with, when it comes to media and how we are going to uh, use that as an outreach method. We spoke on, we touched on social media and the importance of it, and I'm happy to announce that we've actually created a page for the girls and for our girls ambassadors for peace program uh which is great i'm sure our listeners are familiar with the with our girls ambassadors for peace program because of our many podcasts from drc but i wanted to touch on some important achievements for the program this year uh what worked what didn't what are some of the challenges that we face the Girl Ambassadors for Peace program has been implemented in the Democratic Republic of Congo and South Sudan. It is a group of girls and young women who are learning about leadership, their leadership capacities and they're being trained to become leaders. They are also learning to become literacy education teachers and since they are aware that they are one of the privileged ones it, education should not be a privilege it's a right but we know that in countries like drc and south sudan it looks like a privilege so um they share their reading and writing skills with other girls and young women who have not had the opportunity to go to school and in drc and south sudan particularly in remote rural communities directly affected by war, the data is that only two out of every 10 young women and girls are able to read. And also because we know that they lived in conflict-affected communities, another component of the Girl Ambassadors for Peace is peace building. So it's about leadership, it's about literacy, and it's about peace building. And um, we're very proud to share that uh, these young women and girls have taught um, more than 200 women and girls in remote rural communities to read and write. And it sounds simple, but it's for these uh, young women and girls, it's already a huge accomplishment. Many of them, it's their first time to hold a pen, believe it or not. It's their first time to hold a pen. It's the first time for them to put pen to paper. And um, from beginning to recognizing alphabets and numbers, they're now not only able to write their names, but they're also able to read simple sentences. And we want to continue this until they're able to read paragraphs, read and write paragraphs, read books, and, and hopefully we'll be able to tap into uh, formal educational institutions so they can, you know, they can f go to uh, formal schools and get uh, certificates. It's, it's very, very important. Uh, it's the only way to get them out of the very difficult situation that they are in. Uh, so we're, we're very happy with this program and um, we're really hoping that we can generate um, support and we, I'm also happy to share that we've heard from 
the NAMA Foundation of United Arab Emirates that they will support us in expanding this program in at least three more countries. So that's great news there. Good. Uh, one of our biggest focuses uh, this year was South Sudan. And I think we can all agree that this has been a terrible year for South Sudan. Uh, many people have been killed. And I was reading actually that the number of those displaced has reached more than 3 million, which is a quarter of the, of the population. Um, I actually had the pleasure of accompanying a Mavic and patients to Nairobi for a peace dialogue and how peace can be restored in South Sudan. Uh, patients, what were some of the outcomes of that dialogue? And you know, what, what's your hope moving forward for this nation, this very young nation? Um, actually, the peace dialogue aims to consolidate the efforts of South Sudanese women to cite organizations, government officials, and um, activists' voices to strengthen their demand for the implementation of the peace agreement and restoration of peace to the country. Um, during the dialogue, we had in attendance uh, members of parliament, also representatives from the Joint Mon Monitoring and Evaluation Commission, GMEC, um, representative of inter intergovernmental um, agency on development, EGAD. We equally had um, participants from the Ministry of um, Foreign Affairs. We had two site organizations. We had members from faith-based organizations. And they basically robbed minds and threw up issues on what the current situation was in South Sudan and what international community can do to assist um, particularly the site organizations in the country promote peace and ensure that the leaders are able to implement the peace agreement which was signed in 2015. So for us, it was a huge success because the peace dialogue enabled participants to open up, heal from their hearts. They were able to voice out on what the pertinent issues were on ground. So going forward, we are looking at carrying out dialogues at the local level to ensure that people are able to talk to each other with regard to these issues and equally engage key stakeholders in government to relay what their fears and what their needs are to ensure that there is peace in South Sudan. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed in terms of the UN by the decision to elect a male secretary general. In fact, many have called it a disaster for gender equality. In the same light, I actually read uh, an article last month saying that Donald Trump's victory was a win for sexism, misogyny, and racism. So what do these elections results mean for the important work of women's uh, organizations? Where do we go from here? So for me, I think that the election of these two um, individuals, one being uh, uh, the new SG, um, uh, Mr. Guterres, um, and who has said, and, and I think continues to say that parity is one of the, his, uh, one of his main priorities uh, while uh, being the new SG. And I think he has shown that he does have gender equality within the UN as a priority by appointing one of the, the three positions, the three top positions of the UN uh, to females and to women uh, who are very experienced and, and deserve the position. He is showing promise. Uh, but however, I think that we need to move forward and, and 
push for him to really incorporate the one piece security agenda into his agenda and make it a priority and not just within the UN but outside um, and also call for more uh, funding to be given to women's organizations and, and to call for uh, other organizations or UN entities to lead, to lead uh, just like FBA did this year when they reached the 15% threshold. Um, so I think that that is a model to look up to. Yes, I agree with a lot of Kelly has said. Um, we actually supported the uh, She4SG campaign. And after 70 years, I think it's just fitting. Uh, or it's, it's uh, overdue to see a woman leader in this uh, biggest multilateral institution. But, you know, um, again, in agreement with Kelly, I think he has uh, shown goodwill. Uh, Mr. Antonio Guterres, uh, the um, Secretary General designate, in appointing women in three uh, important positions under his leadership. Now, um, and fortunately, it's the same thing. Uh, we see another male leader in, in the U.S. and um, not just any male leader, but someone who has uh, disregarded the values that, uh, or that we as a women's organizations are fighting for. Women's rights, gender equality, uh, safe space for everyone. I guess it underscores the importance of the work that we do, that we need to do more and do better. Great, so on the 28th of November, GMWP was awarded the Livia Foundation Honorary Prize for our important work on peace building and the prevention of violence. Oh, it was awesome. It's an amazing experience to be in the company of other peace activists from around the world. And we were so honored for our work on women, peace and security, on the implementation of resolution 1325 to be cited, and specifically our work in Colombia and South Sudan. And these are the two countries where we have been very active in lobbying for women's participation, meaningful participation, in peace processes at all levels. And I'm also happy to share that we have gains in, in that regard. In Colombia, for example, after more than two years of lobbying, we actually received a telephone call from the permanent mission of Colombia informing us that they were appointing the two uh, women principal negotiators in, in the government panel with the uh, Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. And then in South Sudan, we were also happy to note that for the first time they have what uh, is called a multi-sectoral negotiation. And for the first time, civil society, in fact, one of our uh, members, Eve Organization, was represented in the multi-sectoral peace negotiation. So 
the Libya Foundation uh, recognized our hard work and the successes that we've uh, made, the difference that we've made, and granted us the uh, honorary prize for 2016. And thanks again to the Libya Foundation for that. And last but not least, the ARIA Formula. Uh, on December 5th, the ARIA Formula meeting on Resolution 1325 and the CEDAW General Recommendation 30 took place. Uh, former Chief of the UN Women, Peace and Security Section, Anne-Marie Goetz, called it a historic area formula. Mavic, can you put this in perspective for us? Why was this meeting so historic? The area formula is a very important platform for civil society to engage with the Security Council. And this is the very first area formula between the Security Council and a treaty body. The treaty body meaning CEDAW, the, con the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women. And as a treaty body, the CEDAW has been ratified by 189 member states. And by that, I mean it was deliberated in the Congress or in the Parliament of every, in every one of those 189 member states. So it's very strong in terms of uh, political buy-in. For the first time, the Security Council is now looking at the synergy, at the relationship on how these two instruments can be used together and when used together they are much more effective so it's a natural connection that has been officially recognized for the very first time by the most powerful body in the united nations which is the security council for me um what really struck me were the recommendations that were put forward by some of the countries uh where there was a call for member organizations particularly security council to be exam examples to other member states in using these two instruments, which is the dinner recommendation study and the UNSCR Clinic 5 in doing their reports, particularly with regards to women, peace and security agenda. And as I mentioned in the beginning, it's been a great year for GNWP. So Mavic, what's next? For next year, it will be a much busier year. Mm -hmm. As I've said, we're looking to expand the uh, Girl Ambassadors for Peace in three more countries and we're also looking to expand uh, the localization of resolution 1325 program in mm -hmm. at least uh, five countries in eastern europe and central asia mm -hmm. and then uh, we will also continue advocating for the synergy between resolution 1325 and the supporting resolutions on women peace and security and CEDAW and concretely that would mean that we will be working with the informal expert group on women peace and security within the security council so that the reports that are generated or submitted to CEDAW can also be used by the security council and uh, reports that the security council is gathering from the different peacekeeping missions will also be shared with the CEDAW committee and of course uh, we have the commission on the status of women session coming up in march so we'll be organizing different events including um, events with young people focusing on advocacy on peace and security so it will be a much much busier year and 
we will of course share information with our uh, listeners and Maddie, you'll be the first one to tell them about those, right? <laughs> right, great. Um, as always, to keep up with our work, as Mavic said, you can follow us on Twitter. That's GNWP underscore GNWP and Instagram and Facebook. I'd like to thank Mavic, Kelly, and Patience for joining me today. And I'd like to wish all those listening a happy holiday. Mm-hmm.